Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. everybody welcome to the confessional podcast my name is mike moran and i am joined as always by trusty producer and coffee and donut provider enthusiast enthusiast expert carnosaur carnivore carnivore carnosaurus rex yes jimmy Seleski. how are you jimmy i'm doing well man this is this is new for us we're doing a noon on a monday I know, it's weird. When regular, normal people have jobs, you and me, right. doing podcasts in a garage. Dude, that's that's the dream. <laughs> I know. I, I am in hog heaven right now. I know, If it's I awesome. could just do this for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. Yeah, it truly is a blessing. I wouldn't be happy. I'm never happy, but it'd be still way cooler than having a normal job. <laughs> You'd at least feel like you should be happy. Right. Yeah. 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 Jimmy, uh, tell us tell us how the Live from the Studio podcast is going. Live from the Studio podcast is going great. We actually, we got hoodwinked a little bit, but in, a, in the best possible way. We uh, we had a guy, our most recent guest, his name was Evan Weinstein, um, but uh, there's a new pizza company that just opened up in Baltimore called Underground Pizza. They have mm. a spot down in Power Plant and Marketplace. And uh, he hit us up and was like, I feel like I need to be on this show. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So we set up a date. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy just runs a pizza place, going to bring up some pizza, Detroit-style right. pizza, really good. Within the first 10 minutes of the podcast, he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm the guy who, like, runs Moonrise. You know, the Moonrise Festival, like, it's a big, big, like, rave they have every year down at Pimlico. No, not, not a big rave. You know, actually, I think I did drive some kids there when I was Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber, it's or a, from I mean, there, from there. It depends. I've never... And I lit at that show, I literally had to take a girl... To my house to use the bathroom. Oh, to wow. the house that I lived in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this place I've never been to the festival, but it's huge. It's a it's a huge festival. He's like the head of one of the top, like uh, I think Steve's promo, one of the top like uh, promotion companies around. Nice. And he just drops. I'm just thinking he's just a pizza guy, and he just. He, I was like, dude, why didn't you just lead with that? Right. You know? right. Like, yeah. yeah oh I yeah. Would. I should make you some pizza. But yeah. So that was our most recent episode. But that's uh, LFTS <laughs> podcast on everything. Follow us on Spotify, YouTube, everything. I feel like sometimes people. It's almost like a form of humble bragging, like not bringing out the big guns right away. Yeah. And then letting them come out. Like, yeah, I just do this amazing thing. No yeah, big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't. To I don't, me, it's not that. Yeah. I, mean, I don't get on. the vibe that he uh, did it that way because it wasn't like. But I, I totally understand what you're talking right, about. Like right. people do that. Like, I, I've done it before. Be yeah. They just hold it in their like. Back pocket. They're yeah, like, you probably right. don't mention the confessional podcast right yeah. away, but then when you do, everyone's like, "Oh my god, you know Mike Moran? <laughs> that guy owes yeah. me money." Yeah. Um, Jimmy, uh, before we get to our, our guest, we have uh, we have a very special episode uh, coming up soon. We we have uh, the comedian Shane Torres. Really? Yeah, yeah. Who I'm going to be performing with on the 22nd of May. Okay. Checker Spot Brewery in Baltimore. Outdoor show, socially distanced. Okay, that's good. That's you you good. know Shane? He does the, the Guy Fieri bit on the late night shows yes. and whatnot. Yes, I'm familiar. Really nice dude. Very that's awesome. funny. But, so is uh, he coming into the studio? Are we doing a little Zoom cast for that? Well, yes. He's coming into the studio. Oh, Wink. yes. Yes, yes, Wink. yes. Just Virtually. like our guest today. Yes. Uh, speaking of our guest today, Jimmy, 
Mm-hmm. This woman is an amazing artist. You got to check out her art. I'll post it all over the page and everything. She okay. does just this really cool. I, I don't even know what the. I don't know if they're paintings or graphic design or how mm-hmm. it works. But she does like old uh, movies. She does like a lot of Bella Lugosi mm-hmm. and the old classic horror movie stars, and just makes this amazing. Amazing art. Well, album. even her background screen right now is blowing my mind. I bet she made that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Anyway, That's Jimmy, awesome. will you please welcome to the show Adele Nufo. Hi, Adele. Hello. Coming to us from Kent, England. <laughs> Kent, England. I can't believe she flew all the way out here just to do the confessional just podcast. The confessional. One hour. <laughs> Adele. Uh, like I said, I'm a real big fan of your art. Could you could you please tell us a little bit more about that and where to find it? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, my pseudonym is uh, Nufo. It's um, a play on words. So my work is heavily inspired by Art Nouveau from 1890 to 1910, uh, mainly from Alphonse Mucha which I have actually seen some of his work um, in person in places like Barcelona Hmm. and Prague. And I don't know, I think it was like more of a psychological thing on my work has now become that because I do have two mirrors, which I've had since childhood. Um, I think they were originally my mum's and they're summer and winter. And funny enough, they are actually hanging in my uh, front room right now. And I think that's just how it came to be. A lot of the things. Um, mm. I was also studying um, my photography degree at the time mm-hmm. and hadn't touched Photoshop or anything like that. I hated the idea of it. But one of the assignments was to do digital collage uh, with photographs. And turned out I was really good at it. I used to get quite high marks for that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how it pretty much slowly came to be. Like I did a couple of like little... Uh, client-like assignments for businesses. And then pretty much 2019, I thought I would try a black and white piece because most of my other pieces were all like in color. Mm-hmm. Um, because some people would say, oh, I bet it would look really cool if it was like Gothic or something. And went back into looking into Dracula and watched Lugosi's uh, performance. And I thought, oh yeah, I could try that. Like my favorite colors are red and black. So I made one of those, but I have to admit, it caused me a lot of stress Yeah. because I hadn't worked with such a limited color palette before. Mm -hmm. So then I added the reds and it helped it pop out. And basically that piece alone did circulate for a little bit. I think a few pages like on Facebook shared it, groups, Instagram even fell on Pinterest a few times. The only issue was I wasn't being credited. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, that that old track and um but i've pretty much continued with it like so i thought to myself oh i would love to make like a lugosi like book Mm -hmm. so i started making his other films like the raven the black cat um i've also done the invisible ray murders in the room org i even done like a shandu trio series as well awesome and then lockdown happened in the uk from march last year and i basically just focused on my artwork and then one thing led to another. People were like, oh, I really would like a print of your work. And I'm like, well, I don't have a website or anything. So built a website, um, came up with a load of other new designs. I've even done a monster minis collection. So you've got the Wolfman, uh, Frankenstein's monster, um, Invisible Man, the mummy, stuff like that. Awesome. And then I opened up shop 
October last year. And so far, my most amount of clients have come from America. Nice. Um, which is nice. Um, and I even have a repeat customer from Australia as well. Oh, great. Well, well, yeah. Uh, yeah like I said, your your art is just amazing. I really love it. I love that. You know, Adele, I we'll discuss this as our topic is Universal Monsters. Um, I don't think people appreciate the artistry of those films as much as they should. You know what I mean? People think of like Frankenstein yeah. and Dracula as like kind of a fun, wacky, kind of old school, antiquated type of horror thing. You rarely see, and when they do take them seriously, it's like they create, you know, like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or Bram Stoker's Dracula, which are cool in their own way, but they're not, they're not like an homage to the, to the old universal films. So I appreciate yeah. that you really take it seriously and that you see the artistry in that, in, in those films. Well, thank you. Um, with other things with my work as well, um, I do try and like, so like you say, right, with our whole appreciation thing, like it's very true because I'm slowly going into like silent film as well, mm. which of course is what kicked off the film industry. Of Even the ghost himself was in silent film uh, back in Hungary and Germany wow. originally and then America. Um, it's like kind of like, even though some of my work looks gothic and dark, you know, a lot of people always know, oh, the flowers, what's with all the flowers um, in this work? And I'm like, well, one, because of Mukha, he used a lot of nature and everything. Mm -hmm. Art Nouveau itself is based around nature and lines and organic uh, flowing. But the flowers do mean something near enough in every piece that I make. So, for example, um, in the Monster Minis collection, uh, Frankenstein's monster has a red corn... Um, no, what was it? Yeah, red cornflower. Now, cornflower is the national flower of Hungary. Uh, not Hungary, Germany. And, of course, Frankenstein's monster is set in Germany. Right. And you've also got the scene with the daisies. So I add daisies to this piece. Uh, and then with Dracula, it has um, tulips. And tulips are the national flower of Hungary. And I've added black roses to that because they symbolize death and a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So it's like there is um, a such like symbolism because with flowers not only they are a celebration of a person normally used in funerals, uh, they're also to do with like life and death as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I would love to see a, a movie kind of uh, paying homage to the old films with, with kind of the aesthetic that you, that you are going for. You know, I feel oh. like they're, they're, you know, they tried to like relaunch the, the universal horror uh, uh, dark universe recently. And they made it mm -hmm. like super like pulpy and, and fun and, you know, full of CGI. Like I want to see something made like a modern take on the old on the old ones. And I yeah, feel like CGI the aesthetic you, really you have, mm -hmm, the aesthetic that, that you're using would be amazing to see in film. Well, thank you. Um, now, Adele, Universal yeah. Monsters. What can you tell us about uh, about those guys? And, and your fa I assume your favorite is Dracula. Yes. So, um, what's your history <laughs> with, with with those those fellas? It's really odd. Like, so being raised in the UK, that it's not as huge in America, which is another reason why I've decided to make a lot of things that I do because you always see like the same old stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. I've noticed people are in America, they've got like models, you've got masks, you've got mm. 
toys from Burger King right, and stuff right. like that. I didn't have that as a kid. Um, my parents didn't raise me around this stuff. If anything, I think the whole horror thing kind of standed with my grandmother because she used to like uh, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. She used to read Stephen King books before she went to bed. <laughs> so she was like kind of the horror like fanatic. Um, my mum was also born on Halloween, so it wasn't allowed to have trick or treat in. So <laughs> why? Yeah. Because it's, it was my mum's birthday and she just hated the idea of like trick-or-treating and stuff. Like, if anything, she kind of like hated stuff which was like Americana. In really? Life. So, do you know what I mean? Like, she really hated <laughs> the whole idea of like American television. Right, like right, that, right. Even though I'd want to watch it. Um, so, yeah, there was like a kind of like a lot of setbacks. So, really with Universal Monsters, I've only ever really discovered that a lot more as an adult. And my first purchase was the actually the new Blu-ray set, and it comes in a coffin-shaped box. Oh, cool! And it's got all of the like what I like to call the big eight um, Universal movies. So you've got Dracula, Frankenstein, Invisible Man, The Mummy, Bride of Frankenstein, Creature of the Black Lagoon, and then you've got um, Claude Rains's um, Phantom of the Opera. Okay. And. Oh my god! I can't remember the other one. Um, uh, oh, the the, uh, the um, I don't know. The, who is the other? Invisible Man? Did you say him? Yeah, I said Invisible Man because he's um, my second favorite. Uh, oh my goodness! That's the only problem when there's a big eight, isn't there? Yeah, that's like, that's the thing with eights. You gotta one. have it. Is Son of Frankenstein in there? No. Oh my god! I I might need to. Grab, it's on my Universal sticker thing that I've made as well. You got all the eight main monsters on there yes you got the mummy we got to figure this out mummy invisible man (laughs) frankenstein bride of frankenstein dracula creature uh swamp thing phantom swamp thing what what is the what are (laughs) let's take a scooby-doo joey lawrence from blossom These are just like the classic monsters yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. yeah Werewolf. Yeah, it's a, it's a are you Did we say Wolfman? Oh, yeah. That, uh, maybe that's one I missed out. Wolfman. Wolfman. Wolfman, dude. Wolfman. Wow. Good Guys, job, I've been at Dunkin' Donuts for the past 10 minutes, and I, I come back <laughs> here. Just... You've probably never even seen one of these movies in your life, have you? <laughs> I don't think. I didn't know that there were dedicated movies to each one of these monsters. I just are thought, you serious? You didn't know these guys came from movies? I thought that werewolves were just ancient folklore, dude. They are. They are. But oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> But, so, but, but, the film. <laughs> but the the stereotypical Dracula and Frankenstein and and Bride of Frankenstein, all they come from a series of movies from the twenties through the forties by Universal Studios. Yeah, it starts okay. in nineteen thirty one, and um, I think Creature of the Black Lagoon is like the last one in nineteen fifty four. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I guess I knew, I knew that. Now, um, the, so the Phantom that you mentioned, that's the that's like the second big Phantom movie, right? Not the not yeah, the twenty yeah, so silent Claude one. Rains. What do you think and about the, the the twenties one? So you know what? You're gonna hate me for this. I haven't managed to see the silent version yet. <laughs> I don't hate you. <laughs> I keep seeing many photos. I, honestly, and I don't know if I've ever even. And I keep no, meaning like, to look at it. Yeah, no, it <laughs> is interesting. It. And there's this weird sequence in the. It's it's also like. It's been chopped up and remade so many times that no one actually knows what the original yeah. version was. And no one, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Okay. There's like no way, to, like all the it, it, they they remade it like three or four times in the 20s and 30s. Like they added sound at one point, they added color, they changed the ending to make it more theatrical. 
and mm-hmm. um, and so the versions that exist today are just kind of a hodgepodge of everything. And there's this one mystery scene at the beginning that makes absolutely no sense, where a man with a lantern comes out and he starts talking, but you can't hear what he's saying. You see his mouth moving. Uh, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. no audio for it. And then the phantom like creeps by and then he talks some more and then the movie starts and, and no one knows why he's there or what he said or, or what was going on, what version he came from. Oh, right. Because I have seen the original 1920 Jekyll and Hyde. Okay. But that's not Universal. Uh, that's John Barrymore. And oh, really? It's, it's interesting. So like 1931 version of Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I think it's Columbia Pictures or Paramount. It's definitely not Universal because huh. I honestly thought it was Universal. Right, me too. Because it's filmed very similar in sure. a way. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Frederick March who plays Duke mm-hmm. um, and Hyde. So good, he won an Oscar for it, mm. which I think is the first Oscar for a horror film. Wow, interesting. Um, yeah, and it's just so brilliant. Like every time I watch it, it does give me chills. And I thought someone mentioned to me, they're like, oh, there is a silent version of that. And I'm like, okay, I'll watch that. And it is just as creepy because, yeah. you know, with silent film, yeah. it's so grainy. Sure, and sure. Are you a fan of uh, like Nosferatu? You like that one? Yeah, yeah, I do like that one. It's like iconically creepy. Absolutely. I count um, Orlock. They, yes, they yes. They have to give the name because of the uh, um, copyright. With yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. weird. They like made it, it as Dracula for some reason. I, I, I never understood why they had to copy the story of Dracula exactly, you know? Because like, of Bram Stoker's um, widow, she wasn't happy they had made it. Yeah, but why did uh, why did they make it? production. Uh-huh. Hmm? I, it's just weird to me that they, the cool stuff about that movie is like the visuals, you know, like why do they need to base it on drag? Like, why can't they just come up with their own vampire story and, and avoid the whole legal thing? I think it's because it's 1922 and the book came out in 1897. So that's like a good 25 years. So maybe they tried to do it as like an anniversary type thing. That's just a guess though. Interesting. I guess with film being so especially silent film in Germany, it was so fresh and new. Like they really wanted to use expressionism, mm-hmm. like very clever filming mm-hmm. the Germans. Absolutely. Like, you know, you've got Metropolis as well. They probably came out some of the most iconic films in cinema, which mm-hmm. is why we have cinema today. Um, and that's probably what it is. They probably just needed like some inspiration from it. And they probably thought, oh yeah, that would make a great movie. And mm-hmm. that's because horror was still so, so new as well. Like you had Jekyll and Hyde in 1920, which is from a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is a silent Frankenstein. Yeah, as there's well. a there's a short Frankenstein um, made by Thomas Edison's company that's like 15 minutes long. It was lost for yeah, decades. Short. And uh, it's actually pretty amazing. I mean, it's not really scary, but the special effects are like pretty amazing for that age and the look and everything. Yeah. And I think it was just one of those things they probably thought, oh, this is a great storyline. Like, make it, you know, you got Mac. Uh, Shrek, mm-hmm. who played Nosferatu as well, tall, yeah, he's, creepy looking guy. <laughs> that's the only monster that, like, I still get scared when I see him. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm flipping through a book or something and I come across a picture of Nosferatu, I'll, like, jump back for a second. Just yeah. <laughs> his look and his eyes and his face are just so terrifying. Teeth, yeah. and long fingers. Yeah. They use it in uh, Salem's Lot as well, which oh, yeah. I do see. But I've seen plenty of like clips and photos mm-hmm, of that. And mm-hmm. when I saw a picture of it, I was like, oh my God, that is literally Nosferatu. But 
in the 70s. Like, yeah, but it so. doesn't. Yeah, and there was a Nosferatu made in the 70s, too, which a lot of people also oh, like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that one's actually pretty acclaimed, too. It has a terrifying uh, intro opening. I'll send it to you. I think it's by, um, uh, what's that filmmaker, that avant-garde filmmaker from the 70s and 80s? Did uh, Fritz, Fritz Geraldo, you know what I'm talking about? Mm, Forget I'm his honestly, name. I'm not very good at names. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one's good, too, but the, the look of Nosferatu, I feel like they've never been able to recapture since Max Shrek. no. Like, if you were to remake that now, they would have to get the original equipment. Absolutely. Because everything now, like, the reason why I don't really like, mod, like, to me, a modern horror movie is from the 1980s to today. Mm -hmm. Apparently, apparently 1980s horror is meant to be vintage now. I cannot accept that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was born in the 80s. And yeah, I don't me feel too. vintage yet. <laughs> I, I still feel like the year 2000 is like the faraway future. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, like, funny enough, I think I watched something like, oh, these were the songs that were released 20 years ago. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, dude. That long ago? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about it. Like, to me, as a kid in 1990, uh, the, the, the length from, from then to the 70s, which was like a whole nother world. I mean, it felt yeah. like generations ago. That's the OOs to a kid now. Yes. Isn't it's that nuts? Scary. <laughs> I don't even know like what like the that. OOs looked like. Like I don't even I can't even picture like any defining characteristics of them really. For me, the early two thousands, well, personally, in music wise, were very punk rock, mm -hmm. and you had very like almost pop metal in some areas. Oh yeah, new metals, that's that's huge. How, emo kids. You had the whole like yeah. emo phase thing and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and. Um, Interestingly enough, like, you know, you've got like late 90s, early 2000s, you've got uh, musicians like Rob Zombie, mm -hmm. who did so bring back classic horror within their music yeah, videos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If anything, that's probably how I probably discovered Lugosi originally was because of Rob Zombie. Oh, wow. Awesome. How I discovered Rob Zombie was through a computer game. What game? Oregon Trail? Sledstorm. Sledstorm? It was a game called Sledstorm for the PlayStation 1. Okay. And it had, it was really cool. It was like basically like, excuse me, mm. <clears throat> um, like tricks on your snowmobile type thing. But you had like all this like hard rock metal music. Awesome. And the song Dragula came up. Like oh, I think yeah. I was about 10 years old or something. Great. And I'm like, this song's really cool. And it did list like who it was and everything. And then when I saw that was like Rob Zombie and stuff. And I think I must have came across it as like a music video or something. And I always thought, oh, what all that stuff is in the background. You know, he's got yeah. like, this black and white movie. He's got this this robot and everything with a with a weird scientist guy, Lugosi. Um, and then, yeah, that's probably like one of the very first things I saw of Lugosi. So I would have been about 10. And then it's kind of like flickered on through the awesome. years. Because it's just not advertised anywhere here. Um, hmm. I think they'll always release... Um, the main um, films right. of, uh, like, so recently for the UK, um, last year from Eureka Entertainment, they brought out The Raven, The Black Cat, and Murders in Rue Morgue on Blu-ray as a set, and mm -hmm. it's the first time we've ever got that wow. here as a set. Wow. We don't even have it on DVD or anything. Weird. I was like, oh my God, I need to get that. It seems like the, the, the UK would appreciate that that type of, uh, you know, yeah, you slow-paced, um, subtle, you know, artistic yeah. horror like, from that age you know yeah 
there is a fandom here. It's just whether it's given to us. That's mm-hmm. the problem. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, we could probably ask for a lot of things, but a lot right. of the time we just have to import it all. And, and of course, that's really expensive. So unfortunately... Well, you should have got on that Mayflower because we are loving our Blu-rays over here. Yeah. Um, Adele, let's jump into a, uh, to a confession here. This is from Eric Thomas. He says his favorite universal horror film is the Spanish version of Dracula. It was filmed at night after the English version, so they had the advantage of watching the dailies and improving on the mistakes the English crew made. Better acting, except Lugosi, and atmosphere. You've got some feelings on this, I can tell. Yeah. You're literally hiding behind your, your turtleneck <laughs> yeah. because you're bursting. As soon as with- you said, as soon as I heard the word Spanish, I knew exactly what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this uh, because it's a bonus feature on the Dracula Blu-ray that I have. Okay. Uh, because people did kept saying, oh my God, you need to see Spanish Dracula. It is incredible. It's filmed very well. Mm-hmm. And kudos. It is filmed very well. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is absolutely fantastic. I love how um, when he steps out of his coffin, you know, you've got these little special effects with the smoke and everything. And right. it's really creepy. You get to see more around a house, outside the house, like other things that you would like to have seen in Todd Browning's version. But Carlos, who plays Dracula, is incredibly cringeworthy. Really? For me. I just see Nick Cage. <laughs> I honestly just see Nicolas Cage. And that's a problem. I just I just can't take it seriously. I think a lot of the time I was pretty much laughing when I was watching this wow, version. Wow. I'm like, oh, this is great. And, you know, you've got the leading ladies. Um, I can't remember their names, but they they are stunning. They're uh-huh. absolutely beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh, I do feel like the, the Spanish ladies are more prettier than, um, you know, like Helen Chandler and all that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Carlos, who plays Dracula, the way he just grins and he would try and stare, it was just like, um, you're okay. <laughs> like, I just couldn't take it seriously. Right. And there is like this gif of uh, Nick Cage where he's like <laughs> pulling a funny <laughs> face, and that's all I can see with Carlos. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, Carlos. <laughs> well, I this? mean, like, I, see, I see what he's trying to do, right? But it's not for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, I have heard that Nick Cage actually has based his his acting technique off of the old like silent actors, you know. Like no way! Over, really? Oh yeah, like over, like claw. What's his that name? That makes Claws a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that over dramatic, like you know, kind of, kind of stage play, old timey stage play, uh, kind of yeah. over emphasis. You know, it's what I like to call um, hamming it up. Sure. Yeah. What'd you think of Mandy? <laughs> What'd you think of Nick Cage and Mandy? I haven't seen that. Film. Oh, dude! Number one, it's an amazing film. One of the best of the last few years. Um, and he gets to, he's like his Nick Cageiest in it. He goes full oh, okay. on Cage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the last Nick Cage film I watched. I think it was something like Face Off or something. John Travolta. Oh, I remember seeing that in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really unusual quirky film, but with action and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, weird premise. Nick Cage films, to be fair. <laughs> or if I have, I probably just can't remember the names of them. Well, he's done he's done a lot movies. of stinkers. He's he's one of those guys that'll do like a few movies for Hollywood that he doesn't care about, you know, that he doesn't necessarily even like, and then he'll do like a good art house film every few years. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Carlos Dracula. Mm-hmm. 
didn't like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I honestly don't think I might watch it again. I almost feel like that's like a, a hipster hard thing to be like, nah, the Spanish version was better, you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it would be better if it was the ghosty. Right. And with Sloan and Fry, and I think that would have been like the perfect movie because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I do love Dwight Fry's Renfield. He is the creepiest Renfield. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, that scene where he's like rising up from the from the ship with that look in his yeah. eyes is terrifying. Um, now they they never really made a proper uh, Dracula sequel as far as like bringing Lugosi back and everything, but they did make yeah, Dracula's yeah. daughters right. Yeah, yeah, there's Gloria Holden. What do you think of that one? I do love that film. I, I own it as well. I actually have like a Dracula collection box set. So it's got Dracula, Dracula's Daughter, Son of Dracula. Uh, gosh, House of Dracula. Couple, the, um, yeah, because you've got Lon Chaney's Dracula. He, well, he plays Alucard. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dracula's Daughter, I, I do like that. I like how kind of risque it was as well for its time. Yeah. Uh, because... I've always kind of said this uh, when it comes to things like Dracula. Uh, he's bisexual, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, totally. I think the other thing they had to cut so much, like with Dracula 1931. I think originally they were going to show the ghosty full on, like go attacking like uh, Renfield, but they had to cut that out because they feared it of being homosexual and stuff. Uh... And it's like, well, Dracula. Some of Dracula's victims are going to be male, so. Right, yeah. When it came to Dracula's daughter, I love the feel of like you can see some of the bisexuality essence yeah. coming from Gloria Holden's mm-hmm. version, mm-hmm. which is quite refreshing. And for the fact it's 1936, yeah. like that could have flopped miserably. Right, right. And uh, the, you think that was intentional? I think it was intentional. Yeah. 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 yeah I have heard like, you know, Bride of Frankenstein is almost considered like a, uh, a, a, a uh, what's the word? Uh, a sh- cloaked like uh, homosexual statement, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, b- but a subtle one, you know what I mean? They didn't. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, out I mean, on the it's table. Subtle too. Yeah. Right, right. And I, I guess a lot of people have said the same thing about uh, lesbianism and Dracula's daughters. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Because with um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I think a lot of it when he was writing that book, he was putting in his own emotions right. as well, how he felt as a person mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what he could and couldn't do. And that was like his escapism as well. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, yeah, there's a lot of like deep messages within the Dracula book. Right. In connection with Stoker, which of course he couldn't share at the time. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, do you think he might've been bisexual or? Might've been. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I don't really want to say he was or it or was right. not because you know, when it comes to sexuality, it's just, that's how the person is. Sure. And sure. many that there are people today who are still uncomfortable around that topic, even mm. though it shouldn't be. Um, or, it, or you find that when you discover that, that you find it ends up dominating and it ends up defining what right, it really right. is afterwards. Right, yeah. So it's like, you know, there are many th- great things out there and then soon as someone has found out, oh, that person was gay, mm-hmm. that's all they, they remember then. Right. So right. it's like, that's why I like how it's kind of subtle in a way. And, and for me, it kind of makes me feel happy because I am part of like the LGBT plus community. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like a nice subtlety thing. And I like and I like the fact that it doesn't erase the entire point of the film. Right, right. 
Well said. Um, let me ask you this, Adele. Do you, the, the films, of course, they started off very serious and, and beautiful and well-written and you know, well-crafted, and then they got a little silly in the, in the later sequels. You know, they, they yeah. came a little more kid friendly, a little more fun. Um, do, do you have now? I, I have a love for both of them. Um, and it's the same with like the, the 80s movies. Like when they start off, they're, they're usually actual horror movies. And then but then they become like ridiculous in part four and five. But I have I enjoy both of those for, for different reasons. Do you do you like the later Universal films where they started getting a little wacky? So when I think of like kind of wacky, I think of Abbott and Costello and sure. Frankenstein, yeah. uh, 1948, like even though it's not like new, new. And I do like that film because it is like kind of like, like even, um, oh my God, what is that film called in 1980? Fade to Black. Hmm. Me, that is like a love letter to Universal. Yeah, I don't know well. that one. I'll have to check it out. It's so good. Uh, basically, it's about um, uh, so basically the lead character in that film. He's like an absolute like nerd when it comes to films, and he ends up being the characters and then murders people mm. as those characters. Nice. And he does end up doing like kind of like a Lugosi Dracula in there, wow. and uh, a few other like horror. He even does like the Mummy also, and it becomes a bit like that, but he's just so talented. Like the actor as well. God, I can't remember his name. I think it's like Christopher something. And, um, Nick Cage. Yeah, I saw that because of the poster, mm-hmm. the actual poster art is literally of his face, but half of the makeup is black and white uh, Dracula. And yeah, it's like a really like proper, what I would call a cult movie. You know, it's cheaply made. Mm-hmm. It could never be remade. Mm-hmm. And it's just as perfect as it is. Awesome. And it is definitely like a love letter film. But like you said, like it can, it can seem a little bit goofy and quirky in areas. And I think that might be the case of just budgeting sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. things go quirky and goofy because of budgeting reasons. You know, you sure. can't maybe afford maybe this serious actor. Mm-hmm. You, you can, because I don't, I don't know how pay ratios work with that sort of thing. But yeah, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. You know, you have got you've got Lugosi in there. You've got Lon Chaney as well. Yeah. And I think that's like a really nice playful film they did, and it's just so immensely popular that mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in a Facebook group called um, Sven Gulli fans hmm. uh, to do with the horror host. Uh, we don't have that here. <laughs> I don't have any TV or anything, but I love how enthusiastic everyone is in that group. So as soon as there's like a photo of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in that group. People go crazy. Yeah. Like they will like it. They will love it. They'll comment about it. They'll quote their favorite lines. Wow. Share other pictures. It's same with like Monster Squad as well. Like mm, 1987 mm. Monster Squad. Yeah, I love that one. I freaking love that film. Yeah, me too. It's I, what I like to call that is the, it's like the kids adult movie. Right. Right. It's like you think it's a kid's film. But then when you actually hear those kids talking mm-hmm. with their swearing and <laughs> what is it like virginity and everything, it yeah. comes how yeah. adult it is. Yeah, I remember like, like as a kid being like, this is pretty, <laughs> like, this is pretty edgy for a kid's movie. It is. It's so freaking edgy. And I, I just like, I've watched that such a few times now because the, the guy who plays Dracula in that does such a great job. And when he picks up the little girl by the face and he's like, give me the amulet, you bitch, you know, and it's just so harsh. And it, like, oh, I feel so sorry for that little girl who, who had to play uh, that part because apparently 
um, she didn't know that part was coming. Oh. So it makes you wonder when they cut the scene, he, like the actor in the Dracula getup must be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to shout at you. Like, I could just imagine what that must have been like, trying to chill her out sure. afterwards. But yeah, I, I do like quirky, fun films. When they're done right sure. as well, you know, you can see they've put effort into them. Mm-hmm. They try to keep the um, the historical element as well, you know, how Dracula came to be. Um, whereas there are some things which are just are just ridiculous and you're like why did you even made this i can't think of any examples but there are stuff out there you know there must be like universal sequels that you think are terrible though right oh i haven't managed to watch a lot of it I, i've seen oh god what have i seen you've got son of frankenstein wolfman versus frankenstein is pretty terrible oh really yeah you think it would be, you know at least be i don't fun, think but... i could even find that anywhere to really? watch i don't think might be the other reason yeah but like, I, I mean when i have to find stuff i, I had no idea you were it. the uk was so far behind in all this stuff i feel like here you could just find <laughs> yeah. anything at any time considering we are hammer horror productions right yeah you think right there yeah. would like i can't even find a box set of hammer horror Weird. like a full-on hammer, i think they've actually just released one funny enough with like loads of artwork but for the fact they've just released one now uh-huh Speaks volumes. It's wow. so weird. I cannot tell you how weird this country is with things. <laughs> Ours is pretty weird <laughs> like, too. We all claim to be so cultured and everything and appreciate art and stuff. But yeah, I do wonder with a lot of people, like seriously, there are so many people out there that are like even the people I work with, they they only know Lugosi now because of me. Right, right. Whereas before I would try and talk about it and they would have no idea what I'm talking about. They're talking about <laughs> some freaking song that blew up on YouTube recently. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, right. But uh, I, I 1930s like expressionist I'm... horror, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty hip kids, right? <laughs> like, I honestly do feel really old. Like when I talk about this stuff, <laughs> to some people. dude, um, I, I love, I love people that are just really into a thing and they're just into it and they don't make, they are proud of it. And it's not like an ironic thing. You know, you genuinely love it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's great what you're doing. And I think it's great that you're you're so passionate about these films. Oh, thank you. It's really mainly Lugosi that I'm very passionate about. I will be honest there. Okay. So there might be some films I haven't seen. Right. Because I've been so focused on trying to find Lugosi films. So I've seen about 70 of Lugosi films. Wow. Have you seen Ed Wood? Contain... Hmm? Have you seen Ed Wood? Or does that not exist The Tim in the Burton version. The Tim Burton film. Yes, yes. Or Ed Wood movie. Okay, right. So I have seen the Edward movies from the 50s with Lugosi, like Glenn or Glenda is uh-huh. easily my favorite because yeah. it was so ahead of its time. And then you've got Bride of the Monster and then you've got Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, man, it's so cheap, but it's cheerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um, have you seen the Edward, the, uh, the Tim Burton one? I have. I've seen it a few times, but I have a serious love-hate relationship with it. Okay, why? So... <clears throat> again i love the cinematography johnny depp as edward does a freaking phenomenal job as him it's just yeah. so brilliant and everyone always says this they're like oh martin lando is Bela lugosi he won an oscar for that and i'm like mm, yeah i know <laughs> you don't like him i just i just don't like how you they portrayed lugosi in that film mm-hmm. i know for a fact that lugosi's only son Ayla Jr. wasn't happy about it either. Mm-hmm. They kind of um, made him look like a little bit of a uh, of a washed out kind of. They made him look like a washed out 
foul-mouthed drug fiend right, and right. Lugosi was not like that as a person at mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. um it's like I, I could kind of see what they were trying to do they were trying to do the whole oh look these are what classic movies were how cool are they but then when you're trying to make one of the most iconic actors to look like a piece of shit right right it's not great mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. They say, oh, but it was like sympathetic. I'm like, yeah, but so much of it was wrong. Like, they don't even explain why he got addicted to morphine. Like, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. was a soldier for the Austro-Hungarian army hmm. in World War One, and he got shot three times. Oh, wow. Like, many actors did during World War One, um, and even World War Two. And unfortunately, at the time, prescription-wise, morphine, methadone were the only painkillers right. available. Yeah. So... People like Lugosi had to take them. So yeah. Lugosi ended up having sciatica, which is something I have. Me too. It's horrible. Yeah, it's very common. So when I mention that, they're like, oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, you know, that shooting pain on your leg, not fun. Yeah. So, you know, I bet you'd want some morphine to get rid of it. Absolutely. So that's exactly Lugosi had to do it. Um, but, you know, there's like a, a numerous amount of things like, like politically um, is another reason why uh, Lugosi was like, uh, blacklisted and stuff and they don't even mention that in the film mm-hmm. like, and I feel that's very very important because he was so passionate about politics mm-hmm. and um, even when he came over to America um, a lot of his views had changed because he realized he was like on the wrong side he even says that in an interview as well um, and, it, and basically his views became towards more socialism mm-hmm. and then um, but what didn't help with Hollywood when they found out a lot of his stuff that he did in Hungary oh he was blacklisted as like hmm. a communist like he was uh there was even actually because i've been reading a book called um becoming dracula volume one and it even explains in there that there was actually another guy called baylor lugosi and he was listed as a terrorist weird but they mislabeled him as the actor that we know he was it wasn't him baylor lugosi was actually quite a common name in hmm. hungary in the early 1900s and there were quite a lot of actors right. as well within that name. So there would be so much confusion. That's why there's so much confusion with information and stuff. And I only just learned that from this book recently. Interesting. And Interesting. yeah, so I don't know. I just, I really wish they had said like something like, you know, he, he was on like these drugs and stuff. But the way when they made him look like he was a swearing type of person, apparently he never really swore mm-hmm. at all. Um, when he met his fans, like he loved his fans. He was very humble. He yep. would he would sign anything you would give him. And like there's no way um he would have been like, oh F you and right, everything. Right. And the other thing that doesn't help with this film is that they it is made this rumor that Lugosi and Karloff didn't like each other. Mm. And that's another lie. Mm-hmm. Um the only issue Lugosi had with Karloff was his tea breaks. <laughs> his tea breaks. Lugosi, like, yeah, Boris Karloff loved having his tea breaks. Wow. And and because Karloff was like the more higher paid actor, he would have like his say on when he would want to break and stuff. And there and there was just a time where Lugosi was like, oh, I was just sick of his like tea breaks. I just want to get on with my work. Because with Lugosi, sure. he, he was just a bit of a workaholic. He just wanted to get working. He kept things very seriously. Um, there's even a phrase, uh, a quote, should I say, that he says um, um, in Hungary acting is a profession whereas in america it's like a choice or mm-hmm. something yeah so it's like where he's come from he would just take it seriously like even in abbott costello meet frankenstein apparently there was a guy there that 
pull jokes and pranks and everything but if you tried to do that with the ghost here my god you would be in trouble it'd be like <laughs> what are you doing uh, yeah <laughs> this I... is no time to play fun and games and right, stuff. Right. like so yeah he was a serious person but he wasn't rude he wouldn't mm -hmm. swear he was a professional he was very professional. yeah and him and Karloff made eight films together so mm. They really hated right, each other. Right. That would not have happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've heard too that it's a uh, a myth that he was buried in his that he wanted to be buried in his Dracula cape. So it's it's half and half. So he was buried in full Dracula costume. Was he really? It was yeah. So uh, it was his fourth wife, Lillian, and her son Baylor Junior that came up with the idea. It wasn't in. Lugosi's request it wasn't in Lugosi's will mm -hmm. it was something that his fourth wife and son thought he might like and it is just like it was just like a Dracula costume it wasn't like an original cape it was just like one of his capes okay because the original Dracula cape is actually going to be put into like a museum right I think it's like the Academy Museum hmm. in Hollywood or something okay because it was it was up for sale mm -hmm. uh, for like 1.2 million dollars but of course no one bid on it However, Baylor Jr. admitted they put it up that high because they didn't really want to sell it. Oh, uh, I see. Much to them. Sure. But they are going to put it in the museum for everyone to see. But yeah, the ghost he was buried in full Dracula costume because his son has said so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, on a side note, I, I just want to say I love it how when British people say someone someone's name, they'll say they're called. Like what you said, like uh, he was called. There's another guy called Bella Lugosi. Because that just seems like it would be a dumb American oh, thing. Freezing. What's that? You're freezing. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh this God. was a bad point anyway. Are you okay? <laughs> You're all right. Um, no, okay. I just I just love it how British people say someone is called instead of named. Because it, it seems like kind of improper and it would be like a dumb American kind of thing to say, you know? They're called how, this. How do you mean? <laughs> like when you say like I don't understand. Like a man was called Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Over here we would say he's named Bella Lugosi. Oh. Yeah, it's hard it's hard for people that say that normally to understand that that sounds right, right. abnormal. Right. You know, right, of course. So but, she's like, What do you mean called? That's right. what we say. Yeah. And it seems like kind of low brow to me. You know what I yeah. mean? It seems like something dumb Americans would say and not not the oh, proper really? British. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I talk to a lot of Americans as well. Well, Actually, I think most of my Facebook friends list is American, and I've never noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's really odd. How have I not picked up on that? They say their name is instead of called. It's also like the way Adele talks, like uh -huh. she she could never sound stupid. You yeah. know what I mean? Like anything yeah. she's <laughs> like that mm -hmm. accent is just so proper. You, yeah. You could, you could convince me that the earth is flat right now, and I'd probably yeah. believe you. <laughs> It is. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the British accent, but Americans well, have this like thing where we hear a British accent. Yeah, we're like, we're like that I guy trust is, that guy. guy smart. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I've got a question for okay. you because you've just said something. What's a British accent? Well, that's a good. I think that's well, a great question. Well, I will say this: certain British. Yes, I, I realize there's a range. And it varies quite a lot yeah. from region to region. Because and certain British accents do not sound <laughs> right. Right. Certain British accents do not sound well. Yes. Do not sound smart. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. When you get like the the uh, the 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 uh, you know, oh Jack the Ripper killed him <laughs> Like the Cockney that, thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Adele, but. 
the U- the United Kingdom is the, uh, and Great Britain. Uh, so England is a country that is England, right? And then the United Kingdom yeah. is an amalgam of, I believe, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and uh, is that it? No, that's it. And okay, qu- cool. questioning. I think yeah, yeah. There too, <laughs> yeah. England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. Guys couldn't quite get regular Ireland. My condolences. You couldn't get classic Ireland. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get classic Ireland. But so when when you Irish say people, British, they're amazing. <laughs> so, and the Irish people are awesome. But no, I'm I just mostly think it's Irish. interesting how, how Americans say British accent when it's really okay. How is that? Well, how is that? Does Britain like if you how say British Welsh and English blended in together? Because for us, it's English accent, Welsh accent, Scottish accent. They're all completely different. Would Wales so be considered British? To me, that sounds like you're blending in well, Scotland, Wales, and England yeah. together. But you okay. can't expect someone who doesn't live there to really get all the, the, yeah. the subtle differences. You know what I mean? Like, would people <laughs> consider Scottish people British? Is that, I guess, technically they are in Great Britain, right? But, like, they if are, you said, like, British. okay, British people. really? Okay, cool. Yeah. I, when I think, so I think when, when, a thi- when Americans think of Britain, I think most Americans, or maybe like half, understand that Britain isn't just England. Uh, Great Britain, the yeah, UK. Right. There's a lot of people that think it is just England, which is kind of worrying. Yeah, but particularly <laughs> when you say the British accent, nobody for a second is imagining the Scottish accent, you know, the Scottish Correct. accent yes. or the Irish accent yes. or, you know, the Welsh you're accent. I can't English even. Accent. Yeah, you're thinking English accent. You know who my favorite uh, person from who lived in Wales? Mm-hmm. Jonah. Jonah the whale. Yes. No. <laughs> well, well, Jonah I, lived <laughs> in a whale in the Bible. <laughs> I think particularly uh, what's funny, because you guys do the same thing with us. Like my, my friend, um, my friend, Sean, his wife is from outside of London as well. In fact, you guys have very similar accents. I was actually going to ask her what part of England she's from, because I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same region. Hmm. You said Southeast England. You're from? Yes, but I wasn't raised here. Oh, where were you raised? So, like, okay. So I'm really glad that you've brought this as a topic up, because for me, I've actually tried to train myself very well to speak like this really mm-hmm. so you know like how with some actors like claude rains for example he had a straight up cockney accent mm-hmm. but he had the most perfect transatlantic accents for mm-hmm. the films mm-hmm. he trained himself for that so where i was raised originally is somewhere called hereford hereford and it's on the border of wales and england okay and it's very heavily farmer okay who are kind of accent yeah. like that like you drop the h's and the t's as you talk or ta- and i absolutely hated it <laughs> i hated that accent so much uh-huh. it's how my mum spoke it's how uh, my well, my dad kind of spoke like that but he was mostly born in wales uh, brought up in wales and then my grandparents had uh birmingham accents so Got they're it. kind of like a little bit. Uh, that's that's the Ozzy Osbourne accent, right? Is it? Like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah, Ozzy Osbourne was from uh, Australia. No, 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 he's just done a lot of drugs. Oh, he's just, okay. Uh, that's the British accent on drugs. <laughs> no, no, okay, which is Australia. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why they sent him so all there. This is known as like kind of like the Midlands, almost uh, West Country region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that fella... does not have the smart sounding British. Well, accent. that's what what she sounds like. She's describing from Hereford. That like, they're always stopping suddenly. That sounds like like what Mike was getting at for the 
low, not low class, but like what you think of that accent, you're like, oh, that's not the smart British right. accent one. Right. That's like the, it's you know. It's soccer riots. I think of. we think of London accent as like <laughs> yes. the, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah. But I think it's funny that you guys, you know, when you ask, when I'll ask my British friends, my my English friends or whatever, to do an American accent, they always gravitate to a specific one as well. And most yeah, of them gravitate towards the L.A. Valley, Los Angeles Valley. Right, right. Accent. That's what I want to ask Adele, too, is are, do our accents kind of all sound the same? Like, does the Brooklyn guy sound like the Alabama no, guy to you? absolutely not. Okay. No. So okay. you can tell can we tell don't. differences. Okay. Okay. Like, that's for sure. Like. I know someone who's got a very strong um, kind of West Virginian accent. Oh, I know yeah. people from New York. Uh-huh. I know some like from California as well. And you do also, right. you, you all sound so different. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there, there have been like a couple of mistakes I've had with Canadians because there's some Canadians depending on where they're I've had from, many mistakes like, with Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> like, are, you, are you England? Are you, are you American? Right. Uh, I, if you're Canadian, I'm very sorry. <laughs> are you French? <laughs> <laughs> you know um, um yeah for me i just trained up to like speak like this because i watched the films like singing in the rain and i thought oh, i love how they're speaking and then you've got that enunciation scene mm-hmm. with the moses supposes toes you know and all the rest yeah. of it and i thought oh that's brilliant and i had i just tried to start talking like so when it came to even simple things like the alphabet i actually used to have arguments with my teachers when it came to pronouncing the letter H because to me the letter H has a huh sound Uh you know you say hat you say here whereas in Ereford you drop the H so they say H over there yeah to me it's it's H it's a ha -ha well we interestingly we say H as well in America nobody says H in America I've noticed. Well, we, I mean, we, well, there are plenty of words when we, we pronounce words, there are silent H's. Like we might say herbs or whatever, but like, you know, yeah. we also say, I hear you. I hate right. that. We usually you know, say, our H's. I'm happy. We don't say, I'm happy. Right, right. I'm right. happy, Mike. Yeah. I'm what, happy what to see you. That's what it's like. Yeah. In Hereford, you would be like, oh, I'm happy today. You know? So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? But we do what say H. The, uh, we don't say H. What about the, the Adele? I want, I want to hear you say the word what. Like in in a in a in a alarming man like like what? How would you say that? <laughs> I love I love it when you Americans say what. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say it? What? Okay, so you what? don't. What? But you don't do the what? Oh. No, that's that's like an Appalachian Southern no, thing. No, it's not. That's a British thing. That's Southern, dude. Dude, that's a total. Talk well, to somebody. First of all, the British accent and the Southern accent are yes. commonly. Why would you be right, saying right, that? Right. That's Southern. Right, but there's there's types of British people that like what? Like what? add like a what? Like they're getting saliva. What? Yes. What? Yeah. When? When? Am I wrong yeah. about this, Adele? There, there are people that will go, what? You know, what? And it's like, but that's more up north. Like, northern accents in England, some of them are quite something. You know, you've got the Geordie accent. You've got the Scouse accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, like, the people like from Manchester. They're very, it's like, the more, they, they say, the more further north you go, the more you don't understand them. Hmm. Uh, okay. Mm. So you you were from. And then you get to Scotland, of course, and that's another ball. Oh, thing. yeah. They're... Right. They are totally just, I mean, Irish people, you can tell, Irish right. people just sound like pirates to me. Like, the way they talk, they sound like pirates. Like, I think of an English yeah. person on a boat, that's an Irish person. 
Scottish people, they sound like that's a weird totally, Irish stereotype to have. But not right. that Irish people yeah, are. I, that too. I don't know any pirate sounding. <laughs> I'm not uh, saying like your coffin chips and like if uh, I, whiskey. Okay, here's the way I say: it. if somebody asks me to do an English accent, I picture something in my mind. I think of the I'm British. I do this. You talk right. like that. Blah right. blah blah. If somebody asked me to do an Irish accent, I would. The only way I could even bring myself to even imagine it is I just start talking like a pirate. Oi, laddie, scallywag. Like, that's the closest I can get to an Irish accent. Really? Yeah. And that's just Scott, not, that's and not the stereotype I think of. I don't, I'm not saying that Irish people are pirates. I'm saying that the only way I can envision <laughs> so the way they talk. all Irish people are thieves is what Jimmy Seleski <laughs> is saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that I can't wow. think of any. This and the only way I can. Im, this economy. Im, the only way I can even think about doing the Scottish accent is I just picture Sean Connery. Right. Or, right. or right. Shrek. Oh, Shrek. So, like. His was a very Moorish Scottish accent. Like I don't know any other person that speaks like Sean Connery because yeah. he's a very zhuzh, yeah, mm-hmm. like zhuzh, right, zhuzh right, all the right, time, right. You know, well, most most very- famous like Irish. actors and stuff kind of have their own take, on, like have their own they kind do. of vibe. Own- yeah, you have the I Mike think. Myers Scottish, you know, a very. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is the most accurate Scottish ever. Really, really. I love Mike Myers for yeah. that. Yeah, like, it was great. He was originally wow. from Liverpool, so it makes really? sense how he can uh, them. I do. I I am actually quite a Mike Myers fan as well. So I do like Wayne's World and all that. Why and, do I uh, think he was American? He's Canadian. He's Canadian, right? He's Canadian, like he moved- but he was um, born. In, I think he was like raised around like Liverpool and stuff. His parents were Liverpudlians. But he doesn't have an uh, accent. Yeah, Liverpudlians. Baltimoreans. <laughs> Liver- but yeah, he, he yeah Scott's yeah he's he, I think he's like from uh, like Toronto because he likes the Toronto maple leaves. Um, but yeah, his Scottish accent is just absolutely spot on. No. Donkey, donkey, yeah, yeah, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie Murphy's donkey accent. I mean, when you're talking, I mean, just great. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, of course, did the voice for the donkey in, in, Shrek. in Shrek. Yes, which is uh, flawless. Shrek, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's like, oh, you're irritating beast of burden. Ogres <laughs> are not like onions. <laughs> like, that was no, good. Ogres don't like cake. They are onions. <laughs> I kind of missed the Shrek here. You guys must be a little bit younger than me. I, I did see the first one in the theater. And I heard I that saw the Chris first Farley. One in the cinema as well. Okay. I thought I heard that Chris Farley was originally supposed to be he Shrek. He was supposed to do it. And actually, Eric showed me. Uh, a video, uh, and, and Adele, if you haven't seen this, I think you'd, you'd find it interesting as well. If you go online and you type in Chris Farley original Shrek readings, he was supposed to be the original voice of Shrek before they got Mike Myers. And yeah, there are still, yeah, there are still um, storyboard readings of Chris Farley going through that scene where they're both like the Shrek and Donkey become friends. It's Chris no Farley way. reading it, and it's just, it's just, it's like a weird, like, kind of like mind fuck sure. a little bit because you're just listening to it. And also, Mike Myers originally wasn't going to do that in the Scottish accent. He oh. he started doing the Scottish accent as kind of like messing around, just experimenting. Did he and, do it as Wayne originally? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it as Wayne from Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they actually they got through pretty much the entire movie with Mike Myers doing it in the Whoa. regular American accent. Whoa. And then when he did a scene in Scottish accent they actually went back and were like we're redoing the whole thing do wow. the whole thing in the scottish accent and so that movie was like so many different iterations before they came to the one we all know and love but i mm-hmm. believe eddie murphy just stuck with the eddie murphy accent the yeah, entire time and i can't imagine he he uh did it he actually went with a liverpuglian accent right right he started with the liverpuglian 
He moved on to the Floridian. The Floridian. That's my favorite. The <laughs> people from Florida are called Floridians. It sounds Floridians. like aliens. All right, we oh, have yeah, gone. Yes. <laughs> we have gone so incredibly off topic, but that's okay. Oh my god! This has been I'm so no, sorry, no, 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 no this was this was awesome. This no, this was a great. No, no, no. Oh, geez, now I feel bad that I made you feel bad. No, 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 it's no, totally no. cool. It's okay. It's completely normal. Like this happens. I, I've done a few Instagram lives, and I'm not joking. One time it went to Dracula to my cat to cereal, and that was because of me. <laughs> wow, that's well, that's a natural yeah. progression. Dracula cat cereal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let's get back to a confession here. This is from Alex Dodge, Columbus, Ohio. He likes The Bride of Frankenstein. It follows its characters an amazing amount of depth. They get to be weird and scary and funny and sensual and sad at all at the same time uh, while still exploring big ideas. Ooh. Now, Adele, I know a lot of people consider Bride of Frankenstein to not be not only be one of the best sequels ever made, but the some consider it the best universal horror film. How how do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, it's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Um, normally, a lot of people hands down go, "Oh, like she's like my favorite and the best." Ever. The only thing for me is that I really wish I was more of her. I know because shows the last bit of the film. She's it's in like, like ten minutes of the it's film. It's a great iconic film. Why right. wasn't there more of her? Right. And why wasn't I, she in I any of the sequels? I don't understand. They brought back all the other monsters except for Bride. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I agree. Like it's it's very good. It's just so it's so in depth and everything as well. I have to admit, I haven't seen it as much as like some of the others because mm-hmm. I don't know what it is with me. When it comes to some films, when I fall in love with a film, I will literally just watch that film. Yeah. Um but yeah, when I came across like Bride of Frankenstein, just because of its sheer amount of popularity, and I'm like, well, I've got it on Blu-ray anyway. I should come around to yeah. watching it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was mainly surprised there was just a lack of her in there. Yeah. But she's always a favorite, which is mm-hmm. fine. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Lady Monster. Sure. Which is great. Absolutely. Long, powerful. You know, we need that. Sure, sure. Um, and she did an amazing job. And it was it Elsa Lancaster. Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lan- yeah. Lancaster. Lan- yeah. She Lancaster. was awesome in that. I heard she like uh, based her character on like swans, like hissing kind of swans, you know, like beautiful and elegant, but also can be oh, really vicious. Her, um, her hair as well. Like, so there's a thing that circulates now and then saying, Oh, this is the wig from Bride of Frankenstein. And it's like been circulating a lot lately again. And, hmm. It's like, no, there's actually an interview of her saying that it's actually her head. Wow. They just need to, like, to have like a little page thing in wow. her head. That's cool. And then they braided like her hair into it. And mm-hmm. she was like a natural redhead as well. But yeah, for some reason, there's this like wig thing that's circulating going, oh, this is the original wig. And it's right. like, no, it's actually her hair in that film. It's just in like a birdcage type thing. Right. Okay. Um. Adele, I wanted to ask you something. I have this. Well, first of all, I wanted to say the the Frankenstein trilogy is an amazing trilogy. Like that's that's definitely the best three parter in in that whole franchise. If you ask me, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. Each one of those are great for different reasons. First one's like a great horror movie uh, that still scares me, even after all these years of seeing Frankenstein everywhere. When he turns around in the hallway and it like closes in on his face and his dead eyes and his like that still gives me the chills. And uh, Bride of Frankenstein is like kind of a psychedelic kind of uh, uh, almost art house horror type of thing with some comedy thrown in. And Son of Frankenstein was like kind of a gothic mystery with like incredible expressionist set pieces and uh, and, and just a, just yes. a good horror movie as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I have this memory. You ever have a memory where you swear you saw something on the internet years ago, but you can't find it or figure out what it was? No, just me. Oh. Did I just spark a... I think it depends. No, no, I know what you mean. I think that has, I think that's happened to everybody. Right, right. And I think it just depends on what that topic is. And it doesn't matter what you type in or Google, it will right, never right. come up. Yeah, I... But I someday it might just appear. Yeah, or, yeah. Actually, I know some people who are just better at searching stuff than me. I'll ask them and I'll find it in two minutes. I'm like, right, right. How have you done that? Yeah, I yeah. I not find this freaking thing anywhere. Interesting, <laughs> but you interesting. I, uh, I have this memory of, at one point, I swear they were, like, working on a sequel to Bride of Frankenstein. Like, that was going to take place, like, like in modern, in, like, the last 20 years or so. Like, they were going to make it, like take place after The Bride of Frankenstein. It was going to be like a new sequel made in the style of the old ones. And I can't find any more information I on that. that. No, I don't. That's the first I've heard, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. But, you know, you, well, you've got Ghost of Frankenstein, you know? Yeah, that's when it got a little wet. You like that one? <laughs> <laughs> that's when it got... I'm trying to I'm get those mixed up. Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost is uh, where Lon Chaney played him, the only time he played him. Yeah. And Igor is still in that, and Igor is amazing. And fun fact for you, Jimmy, Igor was not the hunchbacked assistant. Fritz was. Igor was this weird little guy that actually Bela Lugosi played, who who was just this this awesome, comedic, wicked little guy with a broken neck that runs around. Mm. I'm not even joking. People love Lugosi yeah, in that film. Absolutely. Some people would say that's their favorite character mm-hmm. of Lugosi because mm-hmm. it shows how versatile he was yeah. um, as an actor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have to agree. Like, I was just so surprised by it all. But, you know, he just, he just worked his ass off, really, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, um, Ghost of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein. I swear that's someone with Lugosi. Yes. No. Is. Yeah, Lugosi is in Sun and Ghost as uh, as Igor. When does the ghost? Oh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman is when Lugosi plays. Yes, that's Lugosi. when Lugosi plays Frankenstein. Originally, they were actually going to try to have Lon Chaney play both the Wolfman and Frankenstein, since he had just played Frankenstein. But instead, they got Lugosi. Yeah, and so and part of the reason why that movie is terrible is because they Lugosi had lines in it. Because at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, Igor's brain is put inside the monster. And so he starts mm-hmm. talking like Igor. He starts talking like Bela Lugosi. And it's a really cool sequence. But then when they made the sequel, uh, apparently audiences were confused or like laughed at, at Lugosi talking as Frankenstein. Uh, and they cut out all the dialogue. They completely changed the yeah, film. No, I it's mm-hmm. just terrible because mm-hmm. uh, he was also partially blind doing this role as well. Which yeah. Which is why he has to walk around with his arms. Well, well the character was blind. Like. At the end of Ghost, uh, yeah. the the Igor monster starts talking and then he realizes his blood type it, like screwed something up and he's blind. So he's the monster, but he's blind. And that's what he was mm. supposed to be in the sequel. He was like a blind talking monster. And they, they just yeah. re-edited it in a really crappy yeah, way. Like a complete waste of time, really, which mm-hmm. was annoying. Because, like, he, I think, I, I, honestly, I would love to know what he had said as well. But have you ever noticed, like, people will always have this um, Frankenstein monster post, like, oh, who's your favorite? You know, you've got Karloff, Cheney, Lugosi, Glenn Strange, and 
and then people are like they always put Lugosi's one down and really and like kind of take the mickey out of it and I'm like okay guys if I was to ask you to do the Frankenstein walk you would walk around yeah. with your arms sticking yeah. out that's the Lugosi trademark you know mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. quite often with that so it's like you got to give them a little bit of credit Absolutely. at least yeah. you know what the Frankenstein walk is now right it's just kind of interesting how Lugosi did actually put in so many trademarks for things and people don't realize that until hmm. later wow. until I chime in Right. <laughs> uh, all right. We got one more confession here. This is from JB Scott. Uh, and, I'm sorry, JS Scott. And he doesn't want us to say where he's from. In terms of classic 30s universal horror, selecting one is just not possible. If consigned to one, I'd go with James Whale's The Old Dark House. Others I consider its equal The Black Cat, The Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, the Son of Frankenstein. Another fantastic universal horror from 1980 is Toby Hooper's The Fun House. Oh. Haven't seen that one myself. No. So. Well. Universal. So many. Um, well, yeah. that brings up, okay, like, obviously we have the original classic run that we've been focusing on. There's been many revivals over the years. You know, the, the Monster Squad, the Hammer films, um, you know, just... Uh, here and there, there's been like kind of updates on the characters and, and new versions. Are there any of those that you like, or do you, you just like the classic ones? I'm gonna have to say stick with the classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a habit I have, um, really. Like, because I've been so focusing on this genre, and I'm also slowly going further back as well. I'm not really going more into modern, like. If there's any modern films I like, it's ones I kind of watched when I was like growing up, I guess. Right. So now as an adult, I tend to watch like the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but only that mainly because of the page I do on Facebook, my new foes attic, mm-hmm. which goes up to 19, 1950s, 1960s. But most of the time, like, so you have pre-code Thursday. So I do tend to post like a lot of pre-code stuff and then also femme fatale and then golden age. So, yeah, when it comes to more modern things, I am very like, much out of loop on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, like, I do like that they said the Black Cat is, like, one of the best. I still have never seen that one, films honestly. There. And I really love it. It's with Karloff. And I think it's Lugosi's and Karloff's first film together. Okay. Uh, and even though it's meant to be, like, Edgar Allan Poe-inspired, mm-hmm. um, it's not. It's like a, a, an adaption is what they yeah. call it. And yeah. then you've got the Raven the year after which was actually banned by british censors really um, well actually that film banned all horror films for like four years really? from the british censors wow yeah because the raven involves like torture and mm. kidnap and all sorts which was very interesting because pre-code ended in 1934 and i i kind of think maybe the black cat had some responsibility mm-hmm. Funny enough, actually yeah, 1934. Yeah, the, the initial release of The Black Cat is actually the 7th of May, which is Friday. Oh, okay. And wow. I think and I think Lee's Code finished like about a month after that. Okay. And and then, yeah, that's when they had to like start being careful. But nope, when it came to Lugosi, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still like kind of like a lot of horror like elements. And what I also think is kind of ironic with the British censors is in 1939, a British film called uh, The Dark Eyes of London. America knows it as the human monster, and that is by far Lugosi's most terrifying role. It's okay. it's so dark, yeah. and 
I just think it's kind of interesting how Hondo and British senders wanted to ban horror, but then he comes back with this number and it, it's pretty gruesome and it, it's definitely a villain. Like he's just not shy of doing anything. You know, you have the typical cliche villain thing where they're like, oh, this is my plan. This mm. is how I'm going to kill you, blah, mm. blah, blah. This movie, I'm going to kill you, dead. <laughs> and yeah. Like, no, Get right to the no point. messing around, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just horrible stuff. But now the, the black cat's really good. You got the whole art deco aesthetic, mm. and that's what I like with a lot of the sets. And then yeah. when they put in like the musical scores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then a few years later, they did The Invisible Way in 1936. So okay. another good Universal movie. Now, if if they were to like do a new series of films, what would you what would you want to see? What, what would you want them to be like? A new series, like like if they if they redid the old ones, like in a new, you know, like oh no, I don't like you know, like it at all. Remakes. I feel like mm, like what if you got a great director though, know. like a Robert Eggers or something like that, someone who would like take it really seriously and make it really amazing. You don't you don't think that that could be possible? Like because you know there was the um the one on recently on Netflix, also known as BBC's Dracula. I really liked the series but i really hated the third episode like because mm. they just modernized it way too quickly mm. like mm. as long as the aesthetics are still there like because with dracula you know you've got the whole goth aesthetic mm-hmm. victoriana which is why i love dracula so much because it's kept in there whereas when you try and modernize it and give him like an iphone and a wi-fi it's just <laughs> weird right it right. makes no sense to me and yeah. i've noticed that when it comes to a lot of these remakes they do try and make it so modern mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to me right yeah. um it's like it's one it's you got like, dracula doing the floss dance one. and everything yes yeah, no <laughs> doing tiktok however, videos <laughs> however i do like hotel transylvania okay yeah my nephew's like that that's a fun cool. one yeah. <laughs> like that is probably adam sandler's best work he's ever done because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not into sandler but with th- that series of movies they are fun and i do like how they are trying to be like accurate with a lot of things like dracula in that is essentially lugosi but animated they got the eye color correctly uh you know cool you know they even tried to bring out the accent and everything so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's like something to do with like 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 you say if they take it seriously and stuff and they're obviously like trying and everything then then yeah but just don't modernize it too much have you seen uh have you seen the lighthouse no it's a good one i feel like it's partially (laughs) it's partially it feels to me like an homage to some degree to the to the universal films but in a in a really artistic way you know what year is that one just came out like a year ago maybe two um yeah it's one of my favorite movies ever really you gotta check out the lighthouse so good cool okay I have to remember that. All right. Well, is there anything else uh, we want to discuss, Adele, before we wrap it up? Do you want to tell uh, us a little bit more about your art again and where people can find it? Oh, yeah. So my artwork, so my name, how you spell it, is N-O-U-F-A-U-X. Okay. Nufo. Mm-hmm. So it's like a play on words. Um, and I have, and that's my own website. I do have an Instagram just called Nufo as well. All right. And then I have a Facebook 
called Nufo's Attic. The reason why is because in January, unfortunately, Facebook decided to delete my 11-year-old account. What? Which had my original page and group that I had built. So I've had to start all over again with a twist. What'd you do to yeah. piss off the Zuck? So um, it's really weird. So for all those years, I had no problems. And then from August last year, because that's when I made my website, mm-hmm. uh, I was advised uh, when I, where I made my website, they're like, oh, you should link it to Facebook Business Manager, which apparently is meant to help you progress as an artist, right, to sell right. things, stuff like that. I had nothing but problems. Like, mm-hmm. eat, like get this. I shared a GIF of Claude Rains' Phantom of the Opera, and I was put in Facebook jail for a week. Why? You know, like things like that i and i don't know why i know people have been banned for like sharing a picture of an owl it's just this algorithm and these bots now they are so messed up they don't even know what they're doing you can try and um complain about it or something and it just doesn't get done weird and i know so many people who've been banned for like for 30 days i never even had that i didn't even have a chance of this so for me for some reason some things i'll post and they would just be flagged up for sex and nudity, <laughs> even though they had no sex and nudity in them. Mm. And then one day I wake up, January, oh, your account's been disabled. We need some ID to prove who you what? are so you can get your account back. I sent my ID and they went, no mistaken identity and just deleted me. You know what I bet it is? I, I, like, bet, uh, I bet Zuckerberg likes the Spanish version better. Dracula. <laughs> That's got to be he it. He saw that I did not like Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just can't believe it. And um, it did, honestly, it did ruin me for a bit because I'd started building a community of my group. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make, because I was getting contacts and stuff, you know, with people like like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people like with magazines and stuff as well, but the only connections I had with them was through Facebook. Right, right. So that kind of start up again. Uh, some people thought I was spam, which didn't help. They're like, they didn't believe who I was. I'm like, no, this is actually me. Just the reason why I posed a different name was because I don't know. I was, uh, it makes you paranoid, sure. which is what I hate about this day and age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably why I like classic stuff so much. Right, it right. looks like it was, it was a simpler time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was no uh, iPhone in Castle Dracula. Yeah, exactly. No and, Wi-Fi. Like, technology can just be like, just so awful. And, so yeah, I had to make a new foes attic, which is basically my artwork. But I also do assigned days of the week where I share. So today is Monday, so I do Art Nouveau Monday. Tomorrow mm. be Art Deco Tuesday, weird vintage Wednesday, stuff like that. Because when I ran the group, it was kind of like a mishmash of everything. Mm. And I remember one of the members saying, oh, I love this group so much. It's like stepping into an attic. You never know what you're going to find. Nice. So that's why I call it Nufo's Attic. Awesome. So Love it. You've got Nufo's Attic on Facebook. You've got Nufo on Instagram. You've got my actual website, which is just Nufo.com. And I do sell prints on there. I do sell stickers. Cool. And I ship internationally. And even though my international shipping is £12, it is only £12. Okay. So if you ordered one print or 10 prints, it's still going to be 12 quid. Nice. And it's tracked. Every single order I have shipped, even during the pandemic, every single order I have shipped has arrived safely. Awesome. Undamaged and everything because I track. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how people can ship stuff overseas at the moment with no tracking. That would terrify me. (laughs) Um, I am due to release um, some more stuff around the end of the month. Um, 
I am planning to reduce like, um, sorry, release coffin shape stickers of Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, uh, the monster nice. and Vampira because I do like Vampira yeah. as yeah. well. Um, and then I also, not only because I do classic horror stuff, um, I do a lot of like vintage fantasy things because it kind of ties in with everything. Like I really love like uh, turn of the century postcards because a lot of them were like risque at the time. Yeah. Because, you know, they're showing their leg. Oh, my God. Obscene. Oh, my God. (laughs) Obscene. What's next? Are they going to show a woman reading? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, my goodness. How dare they? So I I incorporate some of my artwork with that. So there's a variety. So if there are people out there who are not so into the whole classic horror thing and they Mm. want something more fantasy surreal, I have that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Adele, I think what you're doing is amazing. I hope you keep it up, and I hope you're very successful. This episode has been very fun. Thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, too, as well, actually. I could have probably just kept on talking. Well, maybe we'll have you back sometime and, and do some more, because I really enjoyed this cool. interview. But, yeah, uh, awesome. Likewise. So, again, check out Adele's work. Uh, Jimmy, thank you so much. Of course, man. Thank you. Nice meeting you, And Adele. for pointing out the, the Wolfman to us. I can't believe we missed the Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. And then I was immediately <laughs> chastised for not knowing they all came from movies after I well, so that is weird. helped you. That is weird. Well, that, yeah, well, I don't know what to say about that. You solved our problem, and then you didn't even know what you were solving. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the best way to do it. Oh, Take gosh. that home with you. All right, guys, this has been an awesome episode of The Confessional. Thank you so much. We will see everyone else later on The Confessional.